Well, my name is Jimmy, uh, and I'm the lead pastor of a church called I-5 Church, and I'll just kind of explain what that is. Uh, we, uh, we want our church to be a, a conversation, not a presentation, and I'll tell you, kind of explain why we chose that name and how we arrived there. The I stands for impact, and then there's five missional things that we do as a church, and, and that's food, water, shelter, clothing, and care. And it's out of Matthew 25, 31 through 46, when Jesus said, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. When I was naked, you clothed me, and when I was sick and in prison, you cared for me. So I, the vision of our church is food, water, clothing, shelter, and care, or food, water, shelter, clothing, and care. So those are our five missional points, and, and why we did that is because uh, we wanted to be uh, uh, an expression of a church that was more outward-focused and not inward-focused. And I think that's what we're talking about today is how can we take the power of the church and leave the walls of the church to not only change our local community, but also change communities globally. And so I don't claim to have all the answers, okay, but I'll just share what we've done at I-5 Church and kind of how, uh, you know, we've kind of partnered with some organizations. I'm representing today One Child Matters, and so I'm so excited about our partnership with One Child Matters. And if you guys don't know what One Child Matters uh, is, they are a child sponsorship organization, and they believe in sponsoring children. I love the vision of One Child Matters because I can so pair it to how Jesus, how God sent Jesus to sponsor us. And I think it's absolutely incredible that one child does matter, but one child, one act, one rethinking of, 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 of how we've been indoctrinated can actually change the world. And that's what we're all here. We're all world changers here. And I just want to be able to kind of, I'm, I'm, I love to relate. I love to, to talk about outreach. I love to talk about local and global outreach. And, and One Child Matters, our partnership with them has really uh, caused us to think more globally and how, and how we can also think locally at the same time. And I'll kind of work through uh, some of that during, uh, during our talk. But today I kind of want to give you a, a thought. And, and, and if, if I had to give you, if I had to title this message, if I had to say what I'm going to talk about, it's called being a community-centric church. Being a community-centric church. You see, I believe that God gives a, a vision to a city right? And so as a pastor, as a leader, you can say, man, I want to take my city for God. Well, we know in, in, in Jesus' conversation with Peter that he's already built his church. And so when we talk about, like, we want to build a church that's going to take the city, I, I just kind of come from a different mindset. What I want to do is kind of get on God's vision page of how we're going to reach our city because he's already built his church. He's already given the blueprints of his church. And so I'm going to talk to you about uh, uh, what is a community-centric church. And, and, and first, I'm just going to start with the idea of this. We all know Acts 1-8, right? And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And I think it's when we have a vision, we have an initial vision of a church, you know, we're so concerned with Jerusalem, right? The church, the inside the walls of the church. And, and what we're trying to do, and even with our partnership with One Child Matters, is not get stuck in Jerusalem. How can we take the church from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth? So we can kind of pull from that scripture that Jesus wants us to touch the world, not just our local community. He wants us to touch the world. So how do we do that? You know, what, you know how do we get our church, you know, uh, 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 to have the type of momentum that goes beyond Jerusalem? How do we create a vision? How do we create a mission that people can get behind that could take the good news of Jesus around the world? Uh, there's a, a thing that I saw on social media, and, and there's a kid, and, and I'm not sure what country the kid is from in Africa, but this kid, uh, you know, maybe you've seen this, it's a picture, and, uh, and my wife is from Zambia, so I'm going to say he's Zambian. That's really not what he is. And so he's Zambian, and, he, and, and he's sitting there, and a missionary comes over, and, uh, and he says this, you mean all you brought is Bibles? Right? And, and, and when I started thinking about that, when I saw this, the kid is basically saying, we need food. We need something to eat. We need something to drink. I mean, all you brought is your gospel. And so when I started thinking about that, I, I, I had the idea that Jesus wants us, or God wants us to be the hands and feet of Jesus on the earth. And I don't want to just go with my word, right? I want to go with water, right? I just want to go with my faith. I want to go with 
food, right? I just don't want to go with the presence of God. I want to go with the presence of the tangible thing that these children need and that people need around the world. And so my whole vision is how do we move from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth? And I'm going to give you a word that maybe you haven't thought about, but the word is called glocalization, glocalization. And that word is spelled uh, G-L-O-C-A-L-I-Z-A-T-I-O-N. And it comes from the word glocal. How can we be a glocal church? And simply what that means is if you go to McDonald's, uh, 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 in London, right? It's McDonald's, but that McDonald's is indigenous to the community that it's in. That McDonald's represents, it has the Big Mac, it has the fish filet sandwich, but it's presented in a way that the people in London can eat from it and it be a part of their culture. Well, my, my idea is how do we take church and it become a local church? How can we be globally local and locally global? And so why we've partnered with One Child Matters is, is they've helped us attain that. At I-5 Church, we do uh, sports ministry. Like, and so we have uh, uh, teams that go out in the community, and I'll talk a little bit about this later. And, uh, uh, and we've got about 400 kids in our sports program, which represents, uh, you know, 1,600 people, you know, with families and aunts and uncles. And, you know, so at a Sunday, on a Sunday, uh, we could be in church, and there could be 800 People in uh, track meet that have I-5, uh, uh, I-5 shirts on or I-5 apparel on. And we, you say, well, how do we do that? Well, our ministry is sports. That's what we do. That's, how, that's a front door for our church, right? And so what we want to do is how can we take that impact and take it globally, right? Because that's what we do. So what we want to do is partner with organizations that can not, allow, not just allow us to serve a community, but to also uh, uh, take our mission from Baltimore, Maryland to Nairobi, Kenya. So that would be, uh, uh, if you will, local church. And then how can Nairobi, Kenya speak back into the local ministry back at Baltimore, and so what, what that, that ministry is in Kenya, it's a local, it's a global representation of the local church back in Baltimore, Maryland. Does that make sense? And so what we want to do is how can we do that with a church? You know, how can we become uh, community-centric? And here, here's the idea. You know, many of you can do, you know, Jerusalem, right? You guys are probably awesome. Your services are great. You know, you guys probably have some ministry to Judea, to the, you know, community, surrounding communities. Uh, what are you doing? What are we doing nationally? You know, and then we have that uttermost, uh, that uttermost ministry, if you will, that beyond my comfort zone, beyond my reach. Actually, that word uttermost in the, in the original context, it breaks down into th- a three-part meaning, which is time, space, and rank. And when I look at that, I draw from that, like, what are the people that we spend the least amount of time with? What are the people that are furthest from us? And if we're honest, what are the people that are last on our list? And God is calling us to reach those people. He's calling us to go beyond ourselves. You know, we have two values at I-5 Church that kind of govern everything we do. We want to live beyond ourselves, and we want to love beyond our preferences because that's what Jesus did. He lived beyond himself, and he loved beyond his preferences. And we can go and give you crazy scripture references, and we can talk about the Jews and the Gentiles. We can talk about the woman at the well and how he's going to this woman that he's not supposed to, you know, be in contact with. But that's what we want to do when we're talking about having a glocal ministry. If I had to give glocalization a definition, it'd be this. Glocalization is making our witness of Jesus relevant to local and global communities inside and outside the church. How do we make this witness? And you will be my witnesses. There will be an account of who I am in communities around the world. And we can't get so caught up in winning our city that we fail to win the world. And we can't get so caught up in winning the world that we fail to win our city. And so the idea is, you know, when I was a young boy, my dad, I, 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 used to, I was an entrepreneur as a young guy, you know. I'd want to cut people's lawns. You know, so I'd, you know, I'd use his lawnmower, you know, use his gas. And I, he like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm going down the street to cut someone's lawn. And he's like, how are you going to go cut their lawn and leave our lawn neglected? And that's kind of what we don't want to get caught up in in the church. We don't want to go and do this awesome global ministry, but our own backyard is still suffering. Our own backyard is still broken. Our own backyard needs ministry. 
So we don't want to also do our own yard and neglect other communities, other nations. So we want to be a community-centric church. The vision statement at I-5 Church is simple. You know, what do we do? Impacting you to impact the world. That's our vision statement. Because what we want to do is say everything that we do at church has to have a ripple effect. There has to be momentum beyond the momentum that's in the building. Many of you guys have great services, right? And worship is awesome. I mean, the presence of God comes in. People are getting healed, delivered, coming to the freeing power of Jesus Christ. But what you really did is you just empowered a world changer. You just gave someone a, a, a pass to go out and, and change the world. That's what the ministry of Christ is all about, that we would save and seek the lost. You know, I, I started thinking about, you know, what God has, has truly, truly, truly uh, called us to do as a church. And, and, you know, we know that the church is the hope of the world, right? We know that the local church, at least I believe that the local church has the power to change the world. Here's what I thought about. What I thought about is, is how can we do that? What I thought about is, are we, do we have outreach departments or are we an outreach? I started asking those questions. You see, and here's what I landed on. I believe, and this is what I say at I-5 Church, and whether it's right or wrong, this is what I say, right, is that we don't have an outreach department. We don't do outreach. We are an outreach that's powered by a church. We're an outreach that's powered by a church. So if we start looking at our congregations as not, you know, 100 people, 200 people, 1,500 people, but, 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 but 200 stories that can change the world, 200 uh, 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 impact partners that can go beyond the pews and move out to the outside uh, of the church. In other words, we say this, that, that, that church does not start when service starts. Church actually starts when service is over. That's what God's called us to do, to go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus. So we must ask this, our, we must ask this question. How can we be the hands and feet of Jesus if we don't have the heart of Jesus? Heart of Jesus says, man, I, I needed it. I'm not settled. Enough is, is, is not enough. The heart of Jesus says it doesn't matter how many campuses I have. It doesn't matter you know, how many people I have. There's 7 billion people on the planet, and there's 5 billion of those who need the freeing power of Jesus Christ in their lives. And I will not stop until they're reached. That's what I love about this room. We're not going to stop until they're reached. And so how do we take this outside the walls of the church? You see, our mission should not just be to establish a culture in the church, right? You can read the culture code. You can read so many books on culture. I don't know about you guys, but I'm a huge culture guy. What, what kind of culture do I want to have on my staff? Relational culture and, you know, loving beyond ourself and our preferences culture. But I believe that we're called to something greater. I believe we're called to change the culture of the community. And if we're after the culture change in the community, we can keep the culture that we want in our churches. I want a culture that's life-changing. I want a culture of people that are living beyond themselves. I want a culture of, of people that don't have preferences to certain races and preferences to the type of people that walk in our churches. You see, I'm going to talk about diversity tomorrow, and I believe that it takes a diverse church to reach a diverse community, and not just white and black and racial diversity. But one of the things I know about being a community-centric church is the church should represent the community. The community should be a representation of the church. I, uh, at I-5 Church, we are in a 76% Caucasian area but yet our church was 98% African-American. We're not representing our, our community. So we must not be meeting a diverse set of needs because what I found out is, is needs have no color. And if you meet a diverse set of needs, you will take on the characteristics of who's in your community. That's what your church will look like. And so these are some of the questions that we've been asking ourselves is how, how, how can we become this church? How could we be this church? And I believe it's highlighted here in Matthew 5, 13 and 15. It says this, you are the salt of the earth. 
But what good is salt if his loss is flavor? You guys know the scripture. Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled on underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world. A city on a hilltop cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, the lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone who was in the house. That word house, we're not talking about everyone who was in the church house. We're talking about everyone who's in the community house. Who's in the community? Who's around your church? Who's in your sphere of influence? You know, it says bringing out, uh, uh, there's another scripture, talk about bringing out the God colors of the world, right? We, we, what are we doing? How, how are we bringing out these God colors of the world? And I believe there's two components, if you will, of a community-centric church, two components. You can write these down, and I'm sure you've thought about this before. Number one is influence, influence, the capacity or power to be a compelling force. Influence. Influence is the expanse of your reach. The expanse of your reach. The ability to effect change. I love gumbo. I'm, I'm, I'm not a Louisiana guy, but, but Adam here is. And he lives in Baton Rouge, and I love gumbo. But one of the worst things is when you go to a good restaurant and they didn't put enough seasoning in the gumbo. I'm like, this could have been a great gumbo. It just doesn't have enough salt. It doesn't have enough influence. And so when we're talking about being a community-centric church, we want to make sure we're doing everything possible to keep our community influence. We want to do everything possible to expand our reach in our community. Here's a thought. You might want to write this down. An influential church has a mission that disciples beyond preaching. It has a mission that disciples beyond preaching. It has, uh, it, it, has uh, uh, it, it worships beyond singing, and it embodies church beyond attending. That's an influential church. An influential church is, is, is a, it has a vision and a mission that disciples beyond preaching, worship that, that goes beyond singing and embodies church beyond attending. What we want to do at I-5 Church and how, how we do groups, right? Uh, uh, it's a little bit different. You know, we are, we're an ark church, and so we come from that, that, you know, we're cut from that cloth, if you will, the Chris Hodges way of growing uh, your groups and, and having groups of affinity. We do our groups a little bit different. Our groups are, uh, we want you to do three things at I-5 Church. We want you to serve your church. We want you to get involved in a Sunday morning serving opportunity. We want you to serve your friends. That's in our groups. You know, we want you to have groups, whether we give you curriculum or ask you to go, and then we want you to serve your world. Serve the church, serve each other, serve your world. Why do I say your world? Because everyone's world is different. So we want them to do those three things, and that keeps the groups balanced on being an outward church, not an inward church. It helps us with living beyond ourselves. We want to influence. We also want to illuminate uh, and illuminate is being a witness in the community. We are called to shine God's light in our communities. The message calls it God colors, the message version, that we are called to bring out the God colors of the world. You see, evangelism, I believe, is an outreach is fueled by creating an atmosphere where God's presence is prevalent. All right? And I, I kind of say it this way. We cannot have a presence in the community. We can't illuminate the community unless our presence at home is first illuminated. So what's the tone of the presence of God in our churches? What's the, what's the, the spiritual temperature, the spiritual culture that we have? There's a saying that says that the light that shines furthest shines brightest at home. So if we're going to have a great presence and illuminate our community, we have to have a great presence in our churches. Uh, when I went to, uh, uh, Adam talked about Maryland crabs earlier. Any of y'all ever had Maryland crabs? Any of you guys? No? You have Adam? They're good, man. They're good. Uh, y'all have Dungeness crabs on the West Coast, right? No? Okay. Don't, you don't do seafood. Okay. You're missing out, bro. You're missing out. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, there's a, a place called Crab Galley. And uh, I pull up to Crab Galley in, in, in Odenton, and they have this light board. And you guys know the light board, and, and it has all of these pixels, you know, those boards, and kind of the message goes across the board. And, and, and I was sitting there in front of this board, and I saw uh, the message going across the board, and I saw something was wrong. I couldn't read it. 
I was like, why can't I read this? Because there were too many lights out. Too many lights out. So I think about this. What if we, what if the win wasn't how many lights we have? But what if the win was how bright are they shining? What if it was, man, I got to keep my church discipled in a way that they shine a light bright in their community. I think that'd be awesome. So I want to give you um, uh, three questions to ask yourself in becoming a community-centric church. The first question is this, are we an inward or an outward church? And here's what it takes. I'm not going to lie. It takes some guts to kind of go through these questions. Are we an inward or an outward church? Kind of your budget can kind of tell you that, you know, where are you spending your budget dollars, you know? Um, what do people get most excited about? What does your pastor get most excited about? What excites you? Are we an outward, outward church? Number two, would the community miss you if you didn't exist? Not would church people miss you. Not would the people who attend. Because they, most likely they'd find another church. But are you addressing enough needs in your community where they become dependent upon you and they trust you? And here's the deal, guys. Outreach is not something that you do one time in a community and not have a discipleship plan to disciple those people you're ministering to. Right? And the third question is this. What's the word on the street about your church? What's the word? What's the reputation? What's the reputation? Is the reputation that, you know, uh, you're so busy making a point that you fail to make a difference? Is the reputation that they know for what you're against but not what you're for? These are the questions. These are the questions that I have to continually confront myself with. Man, am I so excited that, you know, uh, 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 people got, came to Christ that Sunday that I don't help them get to the next step of being a world changer? I want to give you seven quick steps. And what, what time are we supposed to be done? Do you know? Three? Okay. Seven, seven quick steps to having community influence. Seven quick steps to having community influence. Number one, you've got to have a compelling vision. You've got to have a compelling vision. Okay, my vision is to make disciples of men. Great. How do you plan to do that? What's, what's beyond, you know, the Great Commission? What's beyond that? Does your vision... And this is kind of the questions that I ask myself. Does our vision compel people to do something greater, to be something better, and to laugh a little louder? Does my vision compel people to do something greater, to be something better, and to laugh a little louder? What I know about this, and at I-5 Church, I'm after what I call the fine wine crowd at I-5 Church in the, in the Northeast. We're not in the Bible Belt. People don't, don't wake up and say, I want to go to church in the morning. So I got to have a vision that allows people to live beyond themselves, right? That wins them relationally. And so our vision is impacting you to impact the world. We believe this, and, and, and maybe, you know, I'm not sure what your, what your philosophy is about this, about ministry, but we believe this. We believe that in the society that we're in today, in the culture that we're in today, that people are more apt to get connected to a cause before they're more apt to get connected to our God. And what we do is we put our cause, and we say, get involved with our cause, get involved with God. You know what? It's God that allows us to do this. And we find that people are finding purpose and significance through serving. Well, who are we serving? Well, we're serving God. Why? Because he gave us our gifts, our talents, our skills, our abilities, our anointings to go out and change the world. If we want to have if we want our people to be excited about a vision, don't you think we got to be excited about it? My, my staff always tells me, you know, uh, um, whatever you're excited about is what the church is excited about. You know, are we excited about our vision? Or are we excited about how many people showed up? Are we excited about our vision? Or are we excited about the budget? Are we excited about our vision? Or are we excited about how awesome the offering was this week? Right? Are we excited about our vision? The Bible says where there is no vision, people perish. You guys know that scripture. One of the things that I've learned about conferences 
because uh, I've gone to a lot of conferences, I've spoken at a lot of conferences, is this. You cannot copy vision. You got to download vision from heaven. You got to download vision from heaven. God will upload the vision. You got to download it. So the questions are, is, are we in a place where we're downloading the vision for not our church, but for our community from heaven? That's what I want to do. So we want to have a compelling vision. Number two, we want to be great storytellers. Storytellers. Why are you saying storytellers about a community-centric church? Because the better you tell the stories and the results, the more people that want to get connected to it. In giving, in volunteering, and serving. I always ask Victor. Victor used to do our communications. What are we doing to tell the story, bro? I don't want to just put events on Instagram. Like, okay, we have an event at 7 o'clock at the church. Who cares? Whose life are we changing? Tell the story. Let me tell you something. I'm going to let you steal this, and you don't have to get me credit, okay? When you receive the offering on Sundays, how many of y'all want a good offering every week? You just, yeah, you're right, all of us, right? So, so how, how are we doing that? Well, you have to put the story uh, and the need and the, and, the, and, the, and the purpose of why we're receiving an offering, right? So we say this every week, and I-5 Church knows this. We don't give to a church, we give through a church. Jim stole it, and he acts like it's his, but it's really mine. We don't give to a church, we give through a church. Why do I say that? Because I want people to see that those red buckets are not buckets. Those are life containers. Those are conduits to change the world. And if I can tell stories on the other side of that gift, you know, I have a dream next year that every single uh, week, and this is just a dream right now because the communication department is crazy right now, every single dream, every single offering would be connected to a story. So we'd take a three-minute section and put a story with it and then say, guys, we're changing the world. I'm going to ask you to keep, I'm going to ask you to remain faithful because as you remain faithful, someone on the other end of this offering is saying God is faithful. So these are the things that we want to do. We want to be great storytellers. Let me tell you something what stories do. Stories keep the vision before the people. They keep the mission in the people and they keep the connection with the people. That's what stories do. They keep the vision before the people, the mission in the people, and the connection with the people. Man, what we, love, we love the story of One Child Matters. We love the story. I love the fact that for $39 a month, that my kids, listen to this, we have two kids we sponsor. My kids say, I want to write them uh, 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 a story. I, I want to send a letter you know, I, and it's, all it's doing is it's keeping the, they, they want to know what, what's going on. I, you know, what's he doing right now? And, and, and so we want to talk, tell stories. I love it. We got to be great storytellers, not liars, but great storytellers. You know what telling stories does? Is it, it, it keeps it about the people and not the task. Right? We never want it to be about the task. We want it to be about the life change on the other end of the story. I just try to, I try to have some habits in staff meetings. You know, we're not kicking off any staff meeting. After prayer, tell me a story. Tell me a story. What are we doing? Who are we touching? Who are we helping? Tell me a story. Number one is we want to have a compelling vision. Number two is we want to be a great storyteller. Number three is we want to create a congregation or a people that is passionate about the community. That is passionate about the community. You know how you do that? You talk about it. Man, on the way to church, I was past like 10 houses. I just started praying about what are the stories in those houses? You know, what are we doing in our community? How are we changing it? How, how, are, we, how are we ministering to the community? We want to be passionate about the community. One of the things I'm trying to do is uh, 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 in, our, in our church and what I'm attempting to do is that everybody is connected to somebody that doesn't go to our church. Right? And so whose name, whose address in the community are you putting on your refrigerator, on your mirror to say, I'm going to pray for this family every day. I'm going to pray for this, this marriage every day. I, I want to stay connected and be passionate about the community. Know the stats of your community. Know who's in your community. Know the issues of your community. 
we have a higher racial tension in our community. You know, and, and so why we're after diversity is because I'm called to, to the community and I want to help the community. How, how do I become passionate about the community? Well, when we started out on this, this journey, one of the things we did is we, 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 we looked at ways we could add value to the community. So beyond the community coming to your church, how can you add value to them? So here's what we did. It says we're, we're going we're gonna to find where we want to serve. And what we did is uh, we created our groups or our, our teams that went out and we did the booster. Uh, we, 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 we did the concession stands at, at, the, at the local high school football games. Why? why? Because people are coming that I'm never going to meet in church, but I have an opportunity for them to see a T-shirt that says I-5 Church serves Arundel High School. Right? So how can we add value to the community? We're, we do sports ministry. We're about to go to all of the high school fields and hand out seat cushions free. Right? And what are they going to say? I forgot the uh, city elite or something like that. Or uh, We came up with some crazy dumb slogan that is kind of funny, but, you know, we, we laugh a lot at, on our staff. But what can you do to add value to the community where your, pa- where your community or your church becomes passionate about the community. Uh, number four, create multiple front doors. This helps us both, both locally and globally. So let me just give you a, just a, a, a quick uh, vision of what we do with One Child Matters. What we do is this. We have, uh, I don't know, I'm not going to be accurate, but somewhere around 300 kids sponsored, right? And we had Michael Calhoun and our One Child Matters team come in and, and uh, and we had them kind of share their vision. And then afterwards, I got up and I preached the message about, uh, you know, being the hands and feet of Jesus. And we had some kids sponsored. But what that allowed us to do is in Matthew 25, 31 through 46, you know, Jesus has given us a depiction of Judgment Day. And he's saying, when you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me. So our ministry is to the least of these. But he didn't say when your church did it, when you did it. Well, I don't believe when I stand before God, my church is going to stand before God. It's going to be me by myself. What did you do personally? you know, for your kingdom responsibility. And so what, we, what One Child Matters allowed us to do is change the mission's dollars, if you will. So the person in the pew is directly connected to $39 a month with a child, and they pay that through One Child Matters, not through our church. And so what it allowed us to do is use local, use the money that we would naturally spend on missions locally in our community. So it allows us to buy food trucks. We have mobile food trucks that go out and, and, and give the homeless food. And my idea was I didn't want to have just a food pantry. If we have a food pantry and people are showing up and need food, they probably don't have gas to get there. So let's take the food to them. Yeah. Right? It allowed us to, to put money towards our sports programs. It, allowed us to, to, it allows us to serve on a weekend and week-out basis around the community and, and other areas. It allows us to go... Just adding value to the community. Show up at your local schools and just serve coffee and say a cup of joe on your church's name. Just some basic things that we can do to add value uh, to the community. But in this, in this area of having multiple front doors, our sports, our child care, uh, um, some of the things that we do in the community, it became a front door for our church. It became an entry point for our church. So here's the deal. <clears throat> we were after Diversity. And my church was 98, 99% African-American. Nothing wrong with that. That's just not what I was called to pastor. So if I had relied on the front door being the personal invite, guess what I would have had in my church? African-Americans. So we changed the front door. What do you mean by that? Well, we started a child care business. We, we have child care, right? And we, what we did is we looked at in the community, what is already, what are, the, what are the vehicles that people are already diversified in, if you will? Child care and sports, right? We got, you know, Caucasian quarterback handing off to an African-American kid who's passing the ball, you know, to an Asian kid or whatever. And we said, man, it's already happened, but yet the parents are in the stands still segregated. So how do we bring that to the community? We changed the front door. So sports and child care allowed us to change the front door. If you were to ask anyone in our church, how would I get here? And you're new within six months. I came through track. I, I, I came through child care. We started a before and after care program with our daycare. This, this week, uh, a lady came in, and my daughter, she knows what we're after, and she says, I asked the lady, how did you get here to this church? And she goes, well, I, you, I, you guys started before and after care, and I wanted to know what church was behind this. That was an entry point. That was a door. 
So what can you do with your team? Get with your team and start dreaming of the entry points that are, that are there, but you haven't opened the door to them yet. They're there. They're there. What we kind of landed on is a funnel approach. So we have food, water, clothing, shelter, care, track, and child care. And we try to get people in those areas, and then they get funneled down to church. So at some point, they're going to go through something in their lives where they need a life-giving church. We're hoping it's I-5 church or some other life-giving church. But we introduce the concept that the church is not just about the service that's going on, but about being a service to the community. So I'm going to ask you, when you go back to your teams, is what can you do to create another front door? Number five, develop relationships with community organizations. Develop relationships with community organizations. So what we want to do is we want to have a compelling vision, be a great storyteller, create a congregation that's passionate about the community. We want to create multiple front doors, and we want to develop relationships with other community organizations. You do not have to be, everything does not have to be original, right? So what are the groups, what are the, what are the organizations that's already doing well in your community where you can come alongside them and give them financial resources or people resources? Find them. They're there. They're in your community. They need help. They, they want a life-giving church. They don't want to organize it. They want groups to show up, to serve. What can you do to serve your community? It'll help you develop relationships. And then have a no-strings-attached mentality. Like, don't be so apt to invite them to church. You know, just, just build relationally. Here's, here's what I say to our church. Build relationally until you earn the right to invite them to church. That's at least in the Northeast. Because, man, church, it's a big deal. Like, get, stay out of my business, you know. So um, be careful not to ask the community to come to church until you're willing to take the church to the community. Be careful not to ask your community to come to church until you're willing to take the church to the community. Number six, partner with other churches. Yeah, I'm stepping on some toes here. Well, it's about who cares who wears the T-shirt. Our goal is not to make us famous or our church is, our church is famous. Our goal is to make Jesus famous. Who cares? Who cares if we're just serving the community? Think about the, how many people are in your city and what would, what, would the, what would the community say? What would it say to the community if churches came together and you were able to, to partner and use multiple resources, multiple volunteers, multiple streams of financial you know, uh, resources to bless your community? I love uh, uh, one of the uh, uh, churches that we're... Uh, overseen by Randy Bazette. I'll go to his church and speak in there last summer. And, and he said, a uh, uh, guy got up to do the transition and he said, hey, let's pray for the churches in our city. I thought that was so powerful. They took time out of their service to pray for all the churches around them. And they just spent five minutes just praying for the churches. Can you, could you pray for, can you send another church a no strings attached offering to say, we just want to serve you? That helps the walls come down. We just want to serve you. What are your needs? How about we have a serve day at another church where we go paint their church for them? Number seven. And let me say this on number six. I, I just, this is just a Jimmy-ism, right? I say lay go of your ego. And that's let go of, let's let go of our egos. That's the hardest thing when you're trying to transform a city is we like to get the credit. We like to get the credit. Let's give the credit away. Number seven, last one. How do we, how do we have a community-centric church? How do we change the world? How do we have a world-changing church? We want to have a compelling vision. We want to be great storytellers. We want to create a people that is passionate about the community. We want to develop multiple front doors. We want to develop relationships with community orgs. We want to partner with other churches. And number seven, we never want to leave the sweet spot of God's presence. Everything we do, it does not matter unless God's presence is with us while we do it. Because at the end of the day, you can give someone a hamburger, right? You can show up with, a, with some water. 
But our main goal is that they would meet the man who is the living water. Moses says, I can't go unless your presence goes with me. It's one of the things that I say in our community. Let's not do this unless God's presence goes with us because I don't want to just have meet a need, a physical need. I believe when we meet physical needs, God meets spiritual needs. So I want his presence to go with us. We have about uh, 10 minutes for questions or, or uh, may not be questions, just a thought. Maybe you have a game-changing idea that I want to use in my church. Uh, it'd be pretty cool. So I don't know it all. I'm just Jimmy from Odenton. <laughs> Um, great question. One of the, the deals in my, in my specific uh, situation is I was born there. So I was born and raised in the community that I am. Uh, my dad was the first African-American to desegregate the local high school. And so I knew the needs of the community growing up. Uh, but one of the things uh, that we did, so we were thinking about considering a campus in Annapolis, is we rode around the city and just prayed, God, you know, Give us the city. Where are the needs of this city? And if you spend enough time in the city, you'll start getting a sense of the needs of that city. You know, get with the local uh, community representatives, the politicians, and ask them, what are the needs of this city? Do a demographic study. What are the needs of this city? And so uh, it's a great question. But a lot of times the needs are, are, are loud. The needs are loud. If you drive through a city, man, you can just sense it. You can just sense the needs of the city. I don't know if I answered your question, but okay, great. Any other questions? Yeah, there, it's, it's starting to happen. Um, we're after a couple, we have, there's another talk I do called Seven Levels of Diversity, uh, which is, uh, I'm not going to name them all off the top of my head because I don't have my notes in front of me, uh, but it's, it's racial, socioeconomic, disability, gender, generational, and style, and there's one more, and I can't think of it right now, religious backgrounds. And so when we look at uh, the diversity in our church, even though we might be 90% African-American, we're looking at the, 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 the generational diversity in our church. And so we're starting to see it change. Um, I count every week, you know, and uh, we had uh, the week before, I think, 131, and, and last week under in the 90s, that bothers me a little bit, you know. And I went to my staff and said, why ain't white people coming today? <laughs> so I'm going to talk on diversity tomorrow at the general session. I'm excited about it. And uh, we're going to stir the pot a little bit. Stir the pot a little bit. Any other, anybody else? For me? That's a great question. And I was trained to say that when I don't understand the question. <laughs> Quantitative success, the reason, I do, but I'm going to tell you this, and I don't know if you can measure this, I am trying to learn to play for an audience of one. I'm trying. And let me tell you why. Because when we're doing something that's transformational, the resistance and the warfare is crazy. And because we are a people-pleasing generation, we will, we will uh, naturally want to do things to please people, whether it's the larger givers in our church or the opinions of the popular. And so I am doing everything I can do to play for an audience of one. And when I say that, I don't know if I can quantitate or qualify if God is pleased with me or not. The only way he's pleased with me is if I minister to the least of these. And in that scripture in Matthew 25, it talks about are we sheep or are we goat? Are we authentic or are we counterfeit? And so I'm doing everything I can do, and then I do have numbers and goals that I would like to hit, uh, but sometimes those numbers and goals can drive me, uh, and then I start losing as God pleased with me. So as pastors, you know, that's, to me that's a hard balance. You know, if I'm honest with you. So I struggle with my spirit and my flesh in that 
but I really want at the end of the day, I'm trying to please God. And so I'm like, God, am I in the zone? Am I in the sweet spot? You know? And he just says this to me, healthy things grow. So if you're in the sweet spot, it's going to grow because it's healthy. So, yeah, we do set goals, though. Like, I have goals set for next year, how many people I want to reach, how many people I want to do uh, reach at Easter. Uh, we wanna, we're going to do, uh, do 100,000 eggs. Jim, I stole this idea uh, from Pastor Jim. They, they have, uh, he planted his church five years ago, and it's like 1,500, 1,400 people. He's killing it, and he does an uh, Easter egg hunt where 20,000 people come. And I'm like, so if you guys want to know like, how to reach your city at Easter, don't ask me. Ask him because he's good at it, and I'm okay at it. I'm trying to steal his ideas. Anything else? Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. You mean, are you saying that different team members have different ideas of what we want to do? Um, well, for us, our entry points are, she's asking basically, how do you decide what's an entry point, right? How do you decide? Because there's so much we could do, right? Number one, it's gotta, you got to be passionate about it. We do sports because I'm a sports junkie. And if I'm passionate about it, it's going to drive our church. So I do paint. I believe this, and Matt Keller says this. If you guys ever listen to Matt Keller, he says that our, as, as pastors, it's our job to, 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 to say what the sunset is. And he talks about the sunset, but it's the staff's job to paint the picture. And we have to make sure that, they're, that we're equipping them with the right brushes to, to have the outcome that we want. And so I originated that vision to our church that we want to have multi-entry points. But the entry points are driven by the needs of the community. So if somebody comes to me and says, hey, I want to, I want to do a big wheel ministry, I don't know why that came to me. I have no idea. I don't have a big wheel. My son doesn't have a big wheel. Right? I have to do, is that really working towards our mission and our goals? And we have to be okay with saying no if it's taking us off course. So. No, cowboy, a cowboy ministry would definitely not work for me. <laughs> Anybody else? Anything? Maybe you just have a thought to share. Or... You guys have anything? Go ahead, sir. Okay. Well, we, uh, we do this uh, back-to-school deal every year. Uh, we just did a back-to-school deal, and we gave out 4,500 backpacks, and we cut hair, and I don't know everything we did because I was on sabbatical when we did it. Um, but what we did was is we just got the local churches. We knocked on doors. and says, you guys want to be a part of this? And, uh, you know, let's reach our community together. Wouldn't it be a great witness to the community? if we were to do this together? Yeah. Really? That's a connection point. I need to do more of that. And to be honest with you, I have young kids, and I'm trying to figure out my schedule. I don't know if that's any of you. And I've got kids, two different kids in two different sports, and one that's crazy excited about kids' ministry and trying to figure out, I need to do more of that. That's a great idea, is to make sure we're connecting in prayer and we're connecting, you know, and being relational, doing life together, and then it's easier to do those events. <laughs> that's a great thought. Thank you. Is that it? Um, <clears throat> let me tell you what we did. Uh, our first major outreach that I, I think is, 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 is a teed up. I'm going to give you this. It, it's teed up. This is an easy one. It's already happening. You guys got Toys for Tots, do y'all, in your area? So here's what we did. We said that you guys do the toys and we'll deliver them. So every Christmas, we cancel our, the Sunday before Christmas. We don't have service. And what we do is, is today we're going we're gonna to put our mission where our mouth is. 
and we're going to do something called I Am Christmas. Like, Christmas is not a day on the calendar. I am Christmas. I am the resurrection. I am the birth of Christ. Like, you know, and so what we do is we cancel service, and we have Toys for Tots bring the toys to our church. And then we give people a script. They're lining up. I've got seven, several hundred volunteers packing cars, and they're going out and delivering the toys for Toys for Tots. This year we did 14,000 toys. And that's just an easy thing, but then you've got to be willing to put the offering on the line. But I won't not do it. I will not. Let's see, how do I say that grammatically correct? How do you say it? I will not not have an outreach uh, because of an offering. I won't do that. So we don't have church on that Sunday. And every year we're scrambling at the end of the year financially. But I'm, that's our vision. I'm not changing it. Why? Because the community counts on us and they would miss us if we're gone. Easy one. Call me. Email me. I'll tell you how to do it. Well, Pastor Steve will. He's over our outreach. Easy one. Um, another easy outreach is, like I said, uh, single moms, oil changes. There's got guys in your church that do oil. You know, Bill Hybels did this years ago. I'm not inventing anything new. But just do it. Just, just serve people. You know, uh, Thanksgiving is easier with the partner with the local gro- grocery stores. If you knock on the door of a grocery store and say, I'm going to send everyone to my church to your grocery store, I need a discount, they'll do it. I need a discount because I'm going to send everybody to your grocery store to buy gifts, I mean to buy uh, groceries uh, for those without food. It's easy. Have a pancake breakfast. You guys have uh, Applebee's in your areas? Uh, we partner with Applebee's, and they do pancake breakfasts. So instead of doing it for our local uh, football team or our local, uh, we say we'll do it and, and bring the homeless. Eat free pancakes on us. It's easy. Outreach is easy. It's just you got to want to do it. You just got to want to do it. So well, the, the, the point of my entire talk today is, is let, let's be the hands and feet of Jesus. Let's have the heart of Jesus. Let's not just change our local communities. Let's change the world. Let's be a world-changing church. And uh, I'm telling you guys, just uh, there's some representatives here from One Child Matters, and uh, they've been a big sponsor here at, at this conference, and it would be great for you guys to uh, talk with them and say, you know, how can we, how can we get uh, you guys to come out and, and uh, partner with us to, to free up some mission dollars? Pretty cool. Thanks, guys. Let me pray. Father, just ask that you would... Uh, Speak to us, God. Give us insight. Give us vision. Give us creative ideas to change our communities, to change the world. I pray for every vision that the pastors have here, God, that you would just blow their minds, slam dunk them with new vision. God, I pray, God, that they would take their cities for Jesus. God, that they would be the tangible hands and feet of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys.